And he come, my colleague comes back and he says, uh, man, you got to do something about these racist hand sanitizers. <laughs> what? Sorry, sorry and, the phrase, yeah, this is an important topic, but it, it just, but, it caught me off guard with the phrase. I, to, to the phrase. <laughs> Hey there, if you've joined the podcast today, my name is Chris Jarvis. I work with companies on employee giving and volunteering programs. And my name's Jake McIsaac. I spend a lot of time thinking about public safety and restorative justice. So we are having conversations here that we've been having for 20 years. Yeah, the only difference now is we press record and share it with you. Thanks for joining. On this episode, I talked to Chris about a conversation I had with my dad just in time for Father's Day. And I worry that I have overshared a little bit too much, so please do not turn it off halfway through the story. Listen to the end. It's a great ending. I think, I hope. Stick around. Let us know what you think. Can I tell you about Rick? Your dad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was over there at uh, their place for uh, Easter dinner. So, okay. I mean, by the time this plays, I don't know when it is, but we're recording it just after Easter. Okay. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I tried as, you know, do you ever go to a family, uh, member and the house and there's not really much, there's nothing on TV. It's just kind of boring. And so you got to come up with something to do. That's kind of how I feel like when I was, uh, like when I go back to my parents' place. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you sit there looking at your phone, just flipping through TikTok or Facebook or whatever. I, I can't do that. My mom will call me out on it every okay. time. So okay. it's so nice yeah. of you to visit. Yeah. <laughs> you enjoying your little phone? Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah. Anyway, you know, you know exactly. You've <laughs> met my parents. You, you yeah. can imagine my mom saying that, just calling yes. me out every time. Yeah. So, um, so I decided to try to radicalize my dad. Uh, what's that? <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I was sitting there, as you know, listeners may not, um, so I'm biracial, I identify as black, but uh, my dad's white, my mom's black. Uh, and I'm sitting there and uh, he's just just trying to enjoy Easter Sunday afternoon, having a tea, sitting there oh, listening no. to his records. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, dad, he just turned 75. I'm like, um, oh, man, dad, you know, things are times are changing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's OK to be Canadian, right? Like I. A lot of things have changed in the country, but a really good sense of what it's like to be Canadian. We're coming up to Canada Day here in a couple months, and there's nothing wrong with being Canadian. No. Like, and you're kind of a traditional guy. Nothing wrong with that. Like, there's a lot of change going on, but what about the traditional values? Oh, no. He said, uh, yeah, now he'll listen to this podcast and he'll laugh, (laughs) I think. I, I kind of talked to him about telling this story. Um, and I'm, I'm walking him down this path of, you know, he's very traditional. It's okay to be traditional. I mean, you're not hurting anybody. You're just, that's who you are, right, Dad? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be straight. I mean, they don't have a parade for you, Dad, but there's, <laughs> right? There's just, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's going along and Christian. Well, I mean, it's Easter. It's okay to be Christian. And he says, uh, yeah. So he, we're, we're kind of talking and he's, he's nodding and yeah, of course it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to be white dad, right? Uh, where, where are you going with this son? <laughs> Stop the car. I want to get yeah, in. Yeah, this is where, yeah, he sees that the bridge is washed out ahead. <laughs> we're going off the road here. Where are you going with this son? Yeah. I uh, just, 
And what I was doing, I was walking him through these these normal tropes of white supremacy. Like there's a there's Instagram pages like that are very popular on Canadian campuses. I'm not going to get into it, but uh, where it just walks people through that. And I said, so dad, if I didn't give you the last clue, if I didn't talk to you about it's okay to be white, which made you put the brakes on. Yep. If I just kind of told you that we were going to kind of talk about these other things, would you, would you come to a meeting? Would you come to hang out? Would you come to talk about that stuff? And he said, yeah, and like, probably. And I'm like, yep. that's how easy it is, right? That's how easy it is to pull people into these really, really complicated conversations that really are about white supremacy and, and to pull people along. And so, yeah, with nothing else to do on a Sunday afternoon, tried to radicalize my dad. <laughs> I, I have no idea what state I left the marriage in when I left. <laughs> yeah, because your mom. <laughs> so what were you and Jake talking about? Yeah. Uh... This is delicious ham. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway. So, so when you do things like that, other than just filling the time, uh, <laughs> having fun with the family, most people play board games. You, you know that, right? Like Catan or something like that. They don't, uh, try to uh, radicalize one of their parents. It's, a, it's the same. It's the same word. I was bored. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yep. Yep, not how it was meant, but okay. No. Okay. So I, you know, it's in, uh, it's funny because um, I've had conversations, and I know other folks have had conversations um, where they may talk to their parents. Uh, it's always the parents, yeah. um, but and there's some actual interesting neuroscience behind why, as we get older, stereotypes strengthen. Uh, right, our, right. our wiring and our brain strengthen and stereotypes are just um, a way of I, the technical term, I guess, is heuristic for understanding the world shortcuts. Mm. Um, but they become such a part of our way of thinking that when we're confronted with something like you did, which is this is OK. Yep. This is OK. Yep. This is OK. Yep. This fits in that category, too. Wait, no, I there's something off with that question. That question's <laughs> a little too. Um, and I remember, um, uh, this person was talking to their parents about, um, about the situation in the United States and the way that the black community was being, has historically been treated and the idea that the white community needs to understand that we have benefited from generations of investment in white communities and in systems to support white communities and um and the parents was just like well wait a minute no i are you saying that i have this house and that you are part of this family and we've fed you and looked after you and that you were able to go to university and college all because we were white what about all of our hard work we were born i didn't have any money my parents were <laughs> poor we there were fifty brothers and sisters. We we had to fight. There were like fights in the backyard. For they'd throw a piece of meat out, and we'd have to, you know, it's like Hunger Games. Right? They didn't say any of that, but they make it sort of sound like they grew up in a Hunger Games situation, right. um, and that everything that they have, they have pulled from the earth by the sweat of their brow. So the the idea that this their son was saying, well, I think we had an unfair advantage did not sit right mm. right and and 
And I remember, you know, even back in the day hearing, uh, what was it? What was it called? Affirmative action. Yeah. Right. Just felt unfair because, well, I would have got the job, but ugh, what are you going to do? Right. Mm -hmm. They need to hire a black person. And yeah. I actually hear that now, even with this uh, George Floyd murder and whatnot. Uh, I'm applying for this job, but I won't get it because I need somebody who's black. And it's I, more I heard that on the first day of the job I'm currently in. A person said, oh, well, you got, uh, you got the job because uh, you're black. I applied for that job, but uh, you got it because you're black. Right. Like my very first day on right. the job, a person came up and told me that. I'm like, right. okay, cool. Okay. So you, you used a phrase in a conversation we were having a little while ago where somebody might say, well, I'm not racist. Right. And you said, well, there's a difference between non-racist and anti-racist. Yep. And I thought it was interesting how you explained that. Uh, well, non-racist is kind of the um, – it's what people like to believe about themselves, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's a passive way of being uh, – I'm not racist. I don't even see color, right? Mm -hmm. These kind of ideas that um, – well, if you don't see color, you probably don't see racism. So there's a problem. Mm -hmm. um, but non-racist, just not being something may not be enough. So being non-racist, how does that change anything for me? I mean, I, I guess what you're trying to say is you're not contributing to the problem, maybe. I think that's what you're trying to say by saying yeah. I'm not racist. Yeah. You don't have to worry about me. I'm not um, going to a Klan meeting. Uh, right. I'm not making you go to a different... I'm not participating. Yes. The, 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 I have a friend who's black. The truth of example. that is... Yeah. Right. All of those things. The, the truth of it is... Participation is far more insidious than active overt acts of racism. So, you, so we can talk about systems, but the difference between non-racist and anti-racist is action. It's decidedly going against and dismantling uh, racist structures. So if it's not just not what you're not, but what you're doing about the uh, systems and structures and oppression that you do see in front of you. Okay. Yeah, and that that checks out with with my understanding as well. I remember um, I was giving a presentation a while back, and it was on <clears throat> um, bias, implicit mm. bias. And there there are all these words we use. We use words like prejudicial, prejudice, stereotyping, discrimination, discrimination. Yeah, yeah. And these these are kind of all words that are progressive, but they begin with this unknown, unseen, un chosen bias that we mm. kind of come into the world with that are the evolution if you don't believe in evolution if you happen to believe in a higher power or something like that but the idea that you came into the world in a particular suit like body suit particular mm -hmm. color particular part of the world particular place particular language wealth socioeconomic status all those kinds of things and you didn't ask for any of it but that you got it and if you're going to leverage it and use it, you kind of have to own all of the baggage that went into it as well. So when I was uh, making this presentation, we were talking about intersectionality. And maybe we mm. can talk about what that word means. So Kimberly Crenshaw, right? Mm. You introduced me to the idea of intersectionality. So maybe it would be better if you 
explain a little bit about what that yeah, was. Yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those recurring things, I think, that folks who listen to multiple episodes of this podcast are, are going to run into over talking, and over. They're talking about this again. Again, I, yeah. I think we'll always talk about it by the yeah. nature of what it is. It's these intersections of oppression and identity uh, that affect people in different ways and how yes. they show up in the world, right? And so for me, this is probably really important in toxic, talking about race, that there are uh, advantages and oppressions, or there, there are privileges and oppression tied to each part of these identity, right? So if I say I identify as a, a black person, it's different than um, really digging into the intersections of my identity. I'm actually black, male, straight. Right. All of those things like I tried to dismantle for my dad in those kind of ways, uh, in that in that radicalization story, um, there are different parts of the identity. And depending on where I fall on it, there are advantages or disadvantages or privilege or oppression mm -hmm. tied, to, tied to both. And so when we're paying attention to those intersections that betwixt and between or however that phrase goes, those those connections, there's 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 real depth to the conversation that we can get to. Right. Exactly. So I was I explained that and then said, for example, in Canada, if you are First Nations and young and a woman and a returning citizen having spent some time in jail for whatever reason. All of these things compound. So it's not, she might not just have one barrier of right. Canadians. There is a lot of racism against First Nations people, although Canadians, I think, are abhorrent at that idea that that, that would be the case. But the long history and current politics seem to indicate that is a continuing ongoing issue in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, but she's not just dealing with that. She's also dealing with the intersectionality of prejudice and stereotypes that come with being a woman, having yeah. been in jail, a felon, all of these kinds of things. And she's got to manage all of that. So when I step up to the plate and I'm qualified for a job and I'm white, I'm straight, I'm 50 and I have experience, even if it was like a job at McDonald's, I'd probably win because... She has too many barriers, too many points of intersection around prejudice and stereotyping for the hiring process to deal with versus me. Right. But it's not objectively because I'm going to do a better job at McDonald's than she is. Right? It, it's, it's not because – it's because the system is suggesting a preference based on – I don't know if I'm saying this right, Jace, Jake, based well, I, on intersectionality I, because that feels like that's an issue that – people deal with. Yeah, I, I think you're describing a human experience in a yeah. system-centered or system-driven space. So yes. systems are, I mean, everything that makes systems efficient, I mean, you, you solve against these friction points. If you're going to run a really efficient system or, uh, I don't know, I don't want to make the, the analogy overdone, but I think all of those things that you're talking about intersections, they are the right word. You used barrier. And these barriers um, naturally block people from accessing these opportunities. Um, and sometimes that doesn't require an overt act 
or it's someone, to your point, saying, I'm not going to hire this person because they are black or because they are... No. Right? So... That's that's not usually the case, right? Like, it doesn't... It can happen. Well, yeah, it cannot happen. But then you're talking about somebody who's probably uncomfortable with some level of active racism. We're talking about people who feel like, I'm not racist. Well, Well, this is the problem, though. Yeah. Because we have these overt acts... It, it's advantageous comparison. It is the, yeah, 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 it is the ability right. yeah. to point and say, I'm not, I'm not the guy, you know, lighting the cross on my lawn. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't have, wear a hooded uh, right. thing, shave yeah. my head, yeah. go to the, and so when we can point to those, uh, examples of overt, really, um, really awful examples, it lets us be really comfortable in the space as a society to say, well, if I'm not that, then I don't ever have to interrogate the systems and structures in place. Right. I don't ever have to bump into the insidious ways that white supremacy uh, permeates and people don't, you know, that advantageous comparison where, you know, if you don't have all of these bad actors, if you don't have, um, you know, the, the the person who's burning the cross on the front lawn, you don't have the, the sort of skinhead or these folks who, uh, are very overt about their beliefs and the desire to um, uh, perpetuate systems of you know white supremacy in very yeah. obvious ways. Yeah, it kind of lets general society, it lets the rest of us off the hook to never ever have to interrogate uh, what's at play in the systems and structures. Yeah. So in the story you were telling about uh, earlier about the person talking with their parents and they said, um, we worked hard. Yeah. Like we haven't, uh, we, we were haven't poor, always, we, we were struggled. Poor. I, I think it's that real clear, um, misunderstanding that privilege doesn't mean affluent. So you, yeah, you yeah, yeah. when privilege means it's a benefit that you don't deserve, it's a benefit that you didn't do anything to earn. It's th- this is, it, it go, it flies completely in the face of the argument that says, we worked hard. We got this because we worked hard. That's not what privilege is. It's all the things that you couldn't ever work hard enough to overcome. There's no amount of work I can put in to not be black. Yeah, that's a great way to... That one just stops the conversation because uh, two things. One, there was an influencer. I was listening uh, to um, my partner and my daughter talking back and forth, but an influencer who said something that blew up. Hmm online not in the way she wanted um and some people said hey listen check your privilege blah 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 and she said look i'm very open to that yada yada but i have to tell you i worked hard for this it's not like i'm just showing up i mean i put in 70 hour weeks and that kind of thing and and of course comments were all nobody cares about that because we're not talking about how hard you're working at this that's not the conversation uh, and just the way you said it, <clears throat> I can't just decide to stop being black. Um, yeah, you you can work hard, and yeah. and uh, and the other the other thing about um, particularly about affluence in you know we we talk about race being a social construct, you know, in in some of the same ways, you know, money has value, that, but it's really paper, colored paper in Canada anyway. Um, that's transitory, like. I, I can have a lot and I can have a little, and both can be true in my whole lifetime. Yes. The one constant thing that's also going to be true that's never going to, whether I have a lot or I have a little, will be these core pieces of my identity. 
And so how oppression and privilege show up in those spaces that are not connected to how much money I have. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Chris Rock years ago, uh, if I remember it correctly, he, he was asking the audience about how many people in this room would ever switch places with me. And he looks around, pans around the room, and not too many people put their hand up. He goes, exactly. I'm a black man in America, and I'm rich. Yeah. Powerful social commentary, right? Yeah, it is. I I was worried you were going to go along with um, this uh, comedian who decides to, it was in a show, do Chris Rock with Chris Rock's voice from a black perspective, and the guy's white, and everybody's freaking out, like, no, no, don't, uh, you can't... Yeah, no, I so, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I couldn't anyway because yeah. I don't think I can do Chris Rock's voice. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. No, I'm not a good him. The second uh, beyond the influencer, the second one, and I encourage everybody who's listening to the show today to go to Netflix and watch Coded Bias. It's about how AI um, has bias built into it, and if you're thinking like I did. Okay, I, I just read about this. It's an important topic, but at Netflix time, I just want to watch some silly superhero do some silly thing. And so, but I didn't have that opportunity because everybody else wanted to watch this. So I'm watching it within the first 20 minutes. I was just, you're kidding me. Like this woman, the show begins with this woman who, um, I think she couldn't open her computer because it had facial recognition, but mm-hmm. she wasn't there because mm-hmm. she's, She's too, too black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Too black. So she she gets she thinks, well, maybe it's broken. So she happens to have a white mask, or she went and got it. I I kind of didn't catch that part. And she puts it over her face. Then it's looking for her face with the white mask, but not her black face. And then she said, Well, I decided, you know, the show goes in and says, How deep is this? And then you see the algorithms that this is built on. And it is amazing how facial recognition is 100% workable with um, white men, mm-hmm. but really bad with black women. And weirdly, it it mirrors the sort of some of the other stats that you see against the, the bias against black men and black women. Um, white women weren't even as recognized as white men, but that's because it's mostly white guys building it and we don't even know we're doing it. Okay. So I'm going to tell a personal well, story here can, can and I, we may you, get canceled in a second, but go ahead. Well, yeah. I know I, I definitely want to hear that. Oh like, no. Yeah. No, this is a good suspense point because now yeah. people are going to be thinking about that. Um, <laughs> to, to that point, you made me think of something that happened. So a real life application of that Netflix uh, show happened to me or to a colleague of mine as we were coming back to work and, uh, you know, hand sanitizing stations were put up everywhere. Yeah. Touchless. It was going to make people safe. So they didn't have to touch the, the doors and they didn't have to touch all these touch points. I like and so that on. idea. Yeah, it's good. Idea. It's not a bad idea. And he come, my colleague comes back and he says, uh, man, you got to do something about these racist hand sanitizers. <laughs> What? Sorry, sorry and, the phrase. Yeah. This is an important topic, but it you is, just but it caught me off guard I, with the phrase. I, to to the <laughs> to this and I mean I'm in this conversation, this space, but I'm a light skinned black male. Yeah. That has not been my experience. The hand sanitizers do not work when you wave your hand underneath of it. And it didn't work for him uh because of the for the exact same reason. No. That's yes. impossible. 
No. Isn't it just motion? No. No, this this oh. one wasn't this was wasn't motion. So I was like, that's oh I mean, I think there are some with motion. But yeah, yeah. Th this one <laughs> it says, you know, I can't keep my hands clean. I, Oh, we were talking about it in jest, but when he says these racist hand sanitizers, I kind of think about right now in this moment what we're working at. Like, oh my God. It can be. Yeah. It, it, anyway. So tell. So, okay. Get, let's get canceled. So that needs to be the title of this show. Uh, Jake, you got to do something with those racist hand sanitizers. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's go to the story that gets you canceled. Okay. Okay. Well, I think you first, said that. Yeah, I did. I okay. did. Uh, so I am worried about this getting me canceled. I do worry about this podcast, actually, because I feel I'm constantly in a state of oversharing. Um, <laughs> because people are going to be it. like, that guy is really struggling with some stuff. But hopefully it'll resonate with other yeah. people who are going, I'm glad he's putting himself out there because I was wondering this too. I mean, that was the reason you and I decided to do this show, which is, right. where can I go to hear a conversation about things that people know they shouldn't be talking about? So, yep. Of course, I could be a bunch of different things, but it's this thing here. So um, I want to go back. I actually have to go back to that presentation that I was giving. Right. Uh, I do want to say before we go on, um, The Coded Bias is a Netflix show. It is produced by Vice. So uh, that is a quality organization. It is data checked, fact checked. Like, like you can watch this and have mm -hmm. a high level of confidence in this uh, Netflix show. Okay. Going back before I tell my what's going to get me canceled show. I did say on the stage. Man, the buildup to this is killing me. Well, you know what? Let me tell the story. <laughs> no, then, no, I'll no, go, no. Then, I'll, then I'll tell the story. It might work better. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a young kid. I'm 17. <laughs> Doesn't matter how this happened, but I just finished my first year of college and I had this stupid summer job back in Halifax. And I got a job with a friend uh, selling hot dogs at a hot dog cart. Lots of stories about that summer, but in this one particular story, I'm down on what's called the Oval, uh, it used to be called the the Commons down in Halifax, mm -hmm. and I'm pushing my cart around. I had a place where I was supposed to be and selling hot dogs, bored out of my mind. There's no phone to catch up on or talk to anybody. There's no texting. There's no TikTok. There is nothing. You just stand there just at a cart staring. <laughs> like, I mean, some people read. I think I read a little bit. That gets boring after a while. Just standing there for three hours felt like a lifetime. Oh, it was yeah, just definitely. awful. Just awful. And uh, so these three gentlemen came up towards the cart, um, fairly tall, big guys, um, and they uh, walked up and they said, hey, man, uh, we'd like a hot dog. I said, yeah, sure, sure. So I, you know, the boiled wieners get out of a hot dog cart and they'll pull one out and put it in their bun. And they put the condiments out. Hey, we want a pop. Okay, yeah, here, they got a Fanta, that good old Nazi drink. Um, speaking of racism, did you know that Fanta is... I uh, did not okay, know that. We'll fact check that after. But We uh, probably, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Um, and so they made their selection. They said, okay, good. And they started to walk away. I said, hey, 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 guys, it's $8, it's $8 for those three hot dogs and those three pops. Yeah, we're good. Well, are, are you going to pay me? And they just laughed and sort of shoved each other a little and just walked away. Hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, I just got, I got mugged. I was mugged. Well, it wasn't really a mugging, but I made it really big in my mind. It's never happened to me before. I got right. robbed right in public. And I was telling this story years later to somebody, and they said, 
I think it was like, do you see color or do you feel like you're racist? I said, I never saw color till the day I was robbed by three big black guys. And then I started carrying a tire iron again around and I was always wary because, you know, and I thought this was a good, you know, I, I learned from my mistake and I'm wiser and smarter because of it. And I know how the world works right now. So at this point, everybody's clicked off the podcast. They're checking out because this is what gets us canceled as a story. But I have to tell you now... I'm horrified that I, not that it, not that that happened or not that that was even my initial response, but, but years later, I could be in a conversation about that. And everybody in that conversation went, uh huh. Yeah. I right. see that. I see where you're coming from. It's that affirming kind of, we're not racist, but let's be real. If you don't pay attention to where you are in your environment, you're going to get robbed by a black guy. That's. Mm-hmm. That's you, the you, you, undertone there, You got right? to protect yourself, right? You got to protect yourself. Yep. Yeah. You got to protect yourself. You got to be smart. You got to be wise. I mean, all this stuff is good, but let's be real here. Let's that, you know, and that's where it seems to come back to. So the difference between anti-racist and, and non-racist. So I felt I was non-racist. Obviously I was, I did have that kind of perspective inside of me. Couldn't see it. It was being affirmed as normative by the people around me in my community. And I mean, I told that story to you when we were, you know, working together in Halifax, just as yeah. a, uh, but I told it in a different way. Like, uh, yeah. you want to know something weird that happened to me or that weird, stupid thing that I did or that I thought. But then when I was on stage years later, um, going back to that discussion I was having with that audience about the difference between stereotypes and prejudice and mm-hmm. racism and bias, I said, look, and I explained intersectionality. Uh, as best I could using actual data on slides. I said, um, here's the thing. I may not see myself as actively racist, but I, by virtue of who I am, how I came into the world, which is what I said earlier, you just, you don't choose the bodysuit that you come into, but I came into this one and now I'm white and 50 years old. I sit on these nodes of intersectionality that other people have to deal with. Like I am part of the system that keeps everything kind of churning along. And when I don't do anything, I strengthen the system with my lifetime. My entire life of just going along and playing my role keeps the machine running. So unless I am actively dismantling the machinery, pulling out the wiring, looking at that intersectionality and actively undoing it, compensating for it, overthrowing it, sabotaging it in some way that may not feel fair to everybody all of the time. But unless I'm doing that, it's just going to keep going. And I will have spent my life just going along with it, participating in it and making it still work. Yeah. So for the 50 year old white guys in the room, where are your nodes of power where you can actively dismantle and sabotage the machine? And I think when we get into these discussions about race and race theory and whatnot, when people are saying it's not enough just to be nice and not to be actively racist and to be an ally, for some of us, like me, my job is to sabotage the machine. That's that's what I have to do at some level. So we we I've heard the I've heard the the hot dog story yeah. uh, before, and but this is the first time I'm thinking about it in in this context. I wonder. 
So you got robbed. <laughs> Let's say they were. <laughs> like, they took my right, hot so, dogs. So, or they, they, came, you, they came up, they took your hot dogs. So that happened. Yep. Um, if it were three white guys, would yep. you carry the tie iron? I think I probably would. Right. I was just horrified by the fact that, why would you rob me, man? Like, come on. I don't understand. Like, there's just, I was confronted with a new reality of life that was shocking. And yeah, I probably would have had, I just said it, I, I don't know why. I must have seen it in a movie somewhere with, you know, Steven Seagal or something. I just said it there. I never got robbed again. I was never threatened again. The tire right. had nothing to do with it. Right. But what's interesting, you would not have seen it coming. If it were three white guys, you, 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 to, to your point, you carry the tire iron. Yeah, yeah. I was robbed. It, it doesn't matter the color of the person who robbed me. My action was going to be, this was not going to happen again. I would carry a tire iron. True. Yep. I think, right? Yep. The, the problem with that, I think though, is every black person that comes up to your cart after that could get the tire iron faster than, than every other white person who's coming to that cart. And so now it does yes. matter. Yes, I'm nodding my head profusely because I did notice, and that's the point of telling that story yeah. later. I did notice color, but not in, not like, oh, that's interesting. They're black. They're white. They're Asian descent. I it was threat cue. threat threat yeah, and 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 so it takes a whole bunch of on you know to your point that dismantling that unlearning, um, you know when we think about uh, frameworks like critical race theory, uh, there, there's this. Uh, sense of, well, the only way for change to happen, uh, it's, you know, when people say, well, we've come a long way, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Right? You, you'll hear that a lot where people will, will compare uh, where, the, where things used to be and where things are and say, well, look at all this good movement. Look at all the positive steps we've, they say we, but I think they mean you have taken. Um, look at how far the situation has evolved. And there's this uh, concept of um, interest convergence that suggests that change only happens. It's a kind of a kind of goes to a dark space, but that change only happens when the elite power brokers, so racial elitism or people with power and privilege, actually that the interests converge with those oppressed groups. So it literally gets to this moment in like a decision making tree where doing nothing. Allowing the status quo to exist is actually less beneficial than doing something. And yeah. so if, if the change works for both, change will happen. Mm -hmm. That's good. But it's not actually dismantling anything because of interest conversion. So yes, you'll see tweaks and change, but it's not broad-based transformation because it's still working for the system. Does that make sense? When it you're does. talking about dismantling, yeah, that's yeah, kind of yeah. where my head got, went. Could we could we pick that up in another show, uh, another podcast, um, and discuss what that convergence could look like, where both groups benefit? Are there examples? Do you think we could come up? Well, I would, yes. Yeah, so I think we it, it probably deserves its own podcast and yeah. its own episode anyway. But um, when I think particularly like a, a, a relevant example uh, would be like the, the death of George Floyd. So there's uh, uh, lots and lots and lots of folks have been killed in police interactions. The world didn't change. Yeah. What makes this particular incident different is not what happened so much, but that this moment in time, doing nothing would burn your city down. 
So people gotcha. had to pay attention and find yeah, an action yeah, yeah. that would start to move. Okay. So in that moment, interest convergence would suggest that those who had power and those who wanted change, they actually weren't that far off in this moment. Okay. Does that make I, sense? Yes. And I definitely want to, I want to talk more about that and I want to learn more about that. So That's just an example. It's not maybe the perfect no, no, example, but, but I, I throw that yeah, out there to consider. Yeah. And if there's other examples or other resources we can bring into that discussion, um, because I think there's some, I, there's some probably good stories that you and I can share about mm -hmm. interest converging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where you weren't expecting it. Yeah. Um, Okay, that's great. Hey, thanks for this has been great. I, I it might be uh, our last learn. one because of your story. So we should probably say goodbye to everyone forever. <laughs> it's been fun, everyone. Uh, maybe we'll see you again. <laughs> see ya. This has been a Podstarter production. production.